Hi, friend. Welcome to the Let's Talk Wildlife podcast. Thank you so, so, so much for tuning in and listening. I am literally smiling ear to ear. This is something that I wanted to bring to life for quite a while. So thank you. I think one of the main reasons why I did sort of put it on hold was due to the fact that no one would listen. Is anybody out there? I guess. <laughs> but if you are listening, and even if you are one person, that's still enough for me to spread awareness and l- share some facts. Because the main reasoning behind this was I have s- learned so much information by researching, not just for the podcast, but in my spare time. And I want to share that because there are so many fascinating creatures here on Earth. And I think that. It needs, it needs new ears to hear it. I have too much bottled up inside of me. So thank you if you are joining. I appreciate that and I appreciate you. So I really wanted to focus the first episode on an animal that I'm super passionate about. And don't get me wrong, I am passionate about a lot of animals and conservation. But this animal I have devoted a lot of my spare time to they are they will always be so magnificent to me and if you follow the instagram page let's talk wildlife podcast thank you if you do i appreciate your support but if you do you will know exactly the animal that we will be having a conversation about today and that is the shark it was so difficult for me to narrow it down to just two species of shark because if you know me in real life, in person, you will know that I will never, ever stop talking about animals, especially sharks. So for my time and more importantly, your time, I narrowed it down. I don't know how I did it. Please do not ask. (laughs) I have chosen the great hammerhead and the goblin shark. Again, super difficult. The mako shark is the fastest shark and I wanted to include him But then I also had the thresher shark, which it's caught off in its tail, is like a whip, and it can stun its prey. Then you have the epaulette shark, which, fortunate enough for me, lives on the east coast of Australia, and at the Great Barrier Reef where it inhabits, when the tide's super low, it gets stuck up on the rocks and little rock pools. And again, we can go further into this in another episode, but the epaulette shark can go three hours without oxygen it slows its breathing it then shuts down its organs one by one and uses as pectoral fins we would definitely cover fins on the shark's body in this episode but it uses its pectoral fins to then pull itself and walk walk (laughs) on land and pull itself into deeper water out of the australian hot extremely hot sun so just just a few little shark facts there but um we are focusing on the goblin and the hammerhead i also want to talk about their role in the ecosystem and sharks as a as a whole and how humans are affecting their habitats but more importantly how we can make changes because it's one thing to be aware and to know the information but it's a whole whole other playing field to be able to take action and 
I really hope if one thing is to come out of this podcast, it's to take action and just better ourselves and our environment and those that we share this wonderful earth with. So welcome to the podcast and let's dive into sharks. Now, just a little fact before we jump into the great hammerhead. If you did not know, sharks are cartilaginous, meaning that they only consist of cartilage, no bone. They are very, very different from us humans, and there's great reasoning behind this. So although cartilage is strong, it's extremely flexible. So this helps the sharks move faster and be much more maneuverable throughout the water to catch their prey, but also to avoid predators. And when I tell people that, that kind of shocks them that, yeah, sharks also have predators. And we will talk a little bit more about that throughout this episode. Now, depending on who you talk with or what research paper you are reading, it's said that there are between 8 and 10 species of hammerhead shark, 9 being the magic number, I think. But their name comes from that funky, unique shape of their head, which is called a cephalofoil. So if I am using that word cephalofoil throughout this episode, I'm just referring to their head, which has been laterally extended and flattened for great reasoning as well. It's actually to maximize their hunt. So hammerheads diet consists of crabs and squid and their favorite are stingrays. Now, as we know, stingrays like to dig themselves underneath the sand on the seabed to camouflage themselves and protect themselves from potential predators. Unfortunately for the stingray though, the hammerhead shark has a sense that we do not have and it would be a funky adaptation to humans. So I'm glad we don't have this, but the hammerhead does and that is called the Empoli of Lorenzini. So the Empoli of Lorenzini are just special sensing organs called electroreceptors, which you've probably heard of before. What these receptors do is, so if you zoom up really close on a photo of a shark, or if you're fortunate fortunate enough to go diving or swimming with sharks, you will see little holes, little pores around their mouth and on their face. And this is the Empoli of Lorenzini. It can detect minute electrical signals, uh, which are generated by the muscle contractions of prey. They also have another sense, which is their lateral line, and the Empoli of Lorenzini is a modified version of that. The lateral line runs from their, their head all the way down to the back of their caudal fin. Now, what this lateral line does is it helps pick up and sense prey in the distance by detecting water movement made by fish or anything else that's swimming in the water. Um, and it picks up the vibrations in the water and sends that through these hair-like cells, through all the little nerves into the brain to tell the shark, hey, there's a potential lunch meal over here. <laughs> Let's go check it out. You know, when I am watching animal documentaries, wildlife documentaries, I feel so bad for the prey because I don't want them to die. But then I know that the the shark or the hunter, the predator, needs to eat to survive. 
So really, it's a lose-lose situation for the three of us. The viewer, the prey, and the predator. Now, if you are looking at a shark, you will notice that they have quite a fair few fins on their body. So I want to quickly go over this since I mentioned the caudal fin before. And I do not want to confuse anyone um, with what I'm saying. So you will notice that they have a really large fin pointing up at the top of their back. And that's typically what we see um, above the water in horror movies or in real life even, which definitely do not be scared. They are gentle giants. I, I promise they are not out to get you. And that's that's another reason why I, I am really fascinated with sharks. And I feel like I need to get my point across that they aren't these killing machines. They truly aren't. They just need food like everything else does. That's a living organism here on Earth to survive. And let's be honest, they're not the smartest brightest and not intelligent life like us humans so we do have to factor that in to when they mistaken their their regular diet for other things but that really really big fin on the top of their body is called the dorsal fin and this is typically the largest fin um out of them all sitting behind that is a really small fin and that's called the second dorsal fin. Both of these help with stabilization and that second little dorsal fin helps with the mobility of the back of the body. Moving around to the sides of the shark you will find two fins and this is their pectoral fins located on either side of the body. This controls the direction um, of where they're swimming. <laughs> they also have pelvic fins which are paired along the underside and this helps them go up, down and to roll. Not all sharks have an anal fin, um, usually only the one fin and this helps with stability as well. And then moving all the way down to their back is their huge beautiful long caudal fin or their tail and this helps propel them forward and to increase and decrease their speed. Now, the great hammerhead shark inhabits warm coastal waters. So they have a few different oceans to choose from around the globe. The Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic, and also the Indian Ocean. Unfortunately, you may think because they are living so spread around that their populations would be in an abundance. They are not. There are actually three species of hammerhead that are endangered which is so heartbreaking. And I believe it's around 100 million sharks are killed every year. I cannot even fathom that number. 100 million in 365 days. It is so heartbreaking. But I do come with good news as well. <laughs> this podcast is never going to be just negative. I do come with positive news. There are many ways and many things that we can do to help this number decrease and increase the population of the sharks. So let's get into that. It's always really handy and great to know and to learn about the human activities that are jeopardizing their environment. Um, I know a lot of those numbers for the 100 million are from bycatch or overfishing, also meat eating shark and shark fin soup is a big one. So just learning about that and educating ourselves. Also, I know 
this is this is a this is a very touchy subject I think but limiting your seafood consumption or just noticing how much you are consuming is really important um so omega-3 omega-3 is a really vital nutrient that humans need and a large portion of that comes from fish you can also get it from leafy greens blueberries uh, you can supplement it into your diet with pills and supplements so again this is a more talk to a professional and also do your own research it's it's sort of just a trial and error when it comes to this volunteering and donating is also a really great one. There is an organization called Saving the Blue and it's an organization that I, hands on my heart, I love everything about their message, how passionate they are, the the wonderful and great things they are doing for sharks and for the environment. So you can actually adopt a shark through Saving the Blue. I believe they have some nurse sharks lemon sharks, silkies, um, there is also a few great hammerheads um, a few times a year so you have to get unlucky with that but the great thing is that those proceeds and that money that you're giving to to adopt that shark goes all into scientific research and scientific equipment because if we don't know about the sharks and we don't know enough we can't help. It is really really difficult so we need <laughs> to be funding these wonderful organizations so that they can do all this research and we can help the sharks. Speaking out is also a great one, having conversations like this. I think going diving or swimming with sharks safely, I hope, is a really great one. You can get a feel of them, their environment, I guess why they have lived for 400 million years, why they are so very important to our ecosystem. They keep our oceans healthy. They keep the animal population, the marine animal population healthy um, because they eat all the the dead, dying, I guess, <laughs> sort of injured animals. So they keep that at a really healthy level. They're also great for our coral reefs, for humanity. So we never, ever want to see a day without sharks so let's <laughs> let's do everything we can to really help the environment and I think even restaurants and maybe some uh, fast food places are now using paper straws instead of plastic which is it's a huge step it is magnificent and even little steps like that have to be acknowledged and appreciated because then we can move into even bigger steps but I know that paper straws just disintegrate in your mouth. So I've found that metal straws really work and they are great. They're inexpensive, they're easy to clean, and you're not tossing it out straight after like a paper straw. It's reusable, which is really, really fantastic. I mentioned swimming with sharks. Unfortunately, for the next shark, <laughs> you will not be able to go swimming with the goblin shark anytime soon unless you have evolved before the rest of us humans some fish-like gills I guess <laughs> but I don't know about that so yeah I don't think you're going to be swimming with the goblin shark anytime soon and for 
great reason, may I add. So I believe off the top of my head, humans can free dive around six meters and professional experienced divers around 12 meters. Please take that with a grain of salt. I'm not sure the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure it's about those depths. Now I say you won't be swimming with the goblin shark anytime soon because of how deep down they live. They can be found from 270 meters all the way to 1,200 meters, meaning that they are rarely seen and we do not know much about them at all, which I hope in the future we do create technology and we can get to the to these depths to to research them and to find out more about them because I think that's a really important part for humanity and it definitely needs to be done it's sort of like exploring our solar system and outside of our solar system exploring space and space exploration it's super duper important um, for the future of us humans now the goblin shark is also a carnivore its diet consists of cephalopods, crustaceans, squid. So the goblin shark has sort of evolved um, a really cool adaptation and that is that its jaw can extract three inches out which is so wild and magnificent to me and I hope that that (laughs) fascinates you as well. So the top and bottom teeth are attached to ligaments of skin tissue and very stretchy um, so it can really extract and expand that extra three inches because typically squid are relatively fast so ideally the shark has to be faster so having that extra three inches to snatch up their prey is definitely a huge win for the goblin shark but I think that concludes our first episode (laughs) i am still smiling ear to ear that was everything i hoped that it would be how very exciting if you have made it all the way to the end thank you that means a lot to me i have already a few episodes lined up for future weeks of just because how excited i am and next week's episode i knew about this animal but i didn't know how extraordinary it really was and I learned so many more and new facts about it and that's a cool thing about wildlife is there's so many more species and different species being discovered every day so there's always something to learn and I will never ever know everything even about one specific species so that's really exciting but thank you so much for listening I appreciate it. I hope you learned something and you can take that back and have a conversation about it or even just throw a fun fact out there somewhere to someone. So thank you so much and I guess I will see you this time next week.